Let's open to Matthew chapter 8, excuse me, verse 24. We're going to look at the account like Bob was saying this morning. Bobby, Bobby was saying, this is history. This isn't a story. This is what happened. These are, these are historical accounts of what happened. How Jesus did a miraculous work there and how Jesus, we heard miraculous accounts this morning, how Jesus worked in the hearts of people. He works in my heart. I read this morning in the book of Isaiah where God was saying to the people of Israel that you are my witnesses that I am God. You see, unless they knew he was God, how could they be witnesses? But you and I that know Jesus Christ, we are his witnesses that he is who he said he was, is. So last time we talked about this counting the cost of following Jesus and that eternal life is a free gift. It's, it's free. It's by grace that we've been saved. But to follow Jesus costs everything we have. We have to give up everything to follow him. Why? Because he gave up everything so that we might have eternal life, that free gift. We saw there that, that uh, the man said, I'll follow you wherever you go. Another one said, Lord, first let me do this or do that. But we need to follow him and we need to say it and mean it and not let these moments in our lives pass by where we have the chance to make choices to follow Jesus or not follow him. Every day we make choices. Don't let anything stand between us and following Jesus, whether it's family, friends, or fun, or money, or prestige, or power, anything. Don't let anything get in the way of being a sold-out, follower of Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what life is. But now we see in this chapter here, after studying that about Jesus saying, follow me, that sometimes following Jesus leads right into stormy weather. Look at verse 24. It says, then he got into the boat, that is Jesus, and his disciples, what? Followed him. And without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. And the disciples went and they woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Sometimes, as I said, following Jesus means going into a storm, that there are storms ahead. Following him meant to get into the boat, but maybe you don't like boats. <laughs> Following him maybe uh, at this, in this occasion meant to go out onto the water, but maybe you don't like being on the water. And following him certainly led them into the storm. And does anybody like storms except Gary Lay? <laughs> The psalmist said this in Psalm 55. He said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. If I had my choice, I would fly away and get out of this stormy situation, whatever it is. That's kind of the way I feel. I don't like storms. I don't like being in the middle of these storms. But the truth is, if we're going to follow him, we're going to follow him no matter where he leads. No matter what it is that he leads us into. He makes the call. 
And that, you know, I shared about this last time, that, that, you know, the kids say, you're not the boss of me. Well, he is the boss of me. And you and I need to practice saying that. You are the boss of me. Say that to him right now. You are the boss of me because he is. He either is or he isn't, I mean. You are the boss of me. We face a lot of storms, physical storms, these storms of life, and maybe you are in one right now. I don't know your, your situations. I don't know what's going on. I, I can have limited contact with a limited number of people, a few people that I talk to during the week, and the rest of the time, you know, I, I, I don't know what's going on in your life. Are you going through a storm right now? Or maybe it's really, really calm right now, but you know about the calm before the storm. Life is, is going to have storms. There's no way around it. It's just part of life. Look what it says there in verse 24. It says that without warning, this furious storm came up. Without warning, they didn't know it was coming. We kind of have an idea it's coming, but, but we're not given notice like, oh, tomorrow, um, you know, such and such is going to happen. Tomorrow when you get up, you're going to start facing this. You're going to start having to deal with this. The, the storm, the waves, the wind is going to pick up. You know, the weathermen, again, they, they try to predict things like that. And sometimes they get it right, and they still get paid a lot of money if they don't get it right. Somebody said, I'd like to have that job where you need to be right just 50% of the time, you know, and you're, you're going to make a lot of money. But the point is that, th- that there was no notice without warning. And things can change very rapidly in our lives. I know that. Things, you know, all you think everything is going along so well, then all of a sudden, things can change so rapidly. And you go, wow, what is going on? I remember at the Sea of Galilee, you know, where this took place on the sea. I remember the first time I went to the Sea of Galilee, you know, you go out on these tourist boats, and they have these boats, you know, and they, they have motors in them. They didn't have any motors back then. They have motors hidden in the back or whatever, and they, they kind of look cool, and they're old looking and everything. But uh, So we went out. You know, that's what you do when you go on these tours. You go out on the water, and you oh, I'm on the Sea of Galilee. Wow, cool. And, and the, but but the, we were out there, and it was perfectly calm. But we weren't out there but five or ten minutes, and things started to get rough. The wind came up. Because of the way the Sea of Galilee is, it's a, a, a very uh, a deep valley. It's like 700 feet below sea level. And then you've got these mountains all around. So when the wind blows through these mountains and passes in the mountains and hits this low area of warmer water, the cold air, caused the, the storm. And, and you can have uh, waves up to 20 feet on the Sea of Galilee. The last time we were there, I don't know if you remember this, we were having, um, again, we were in another tourist spot. We were, having, we were eating St. Peter's fish, because that's what you do when you go there. And you can, you can get the whole fish with the eye looking up at you and everything. And uh, I, I don't get that one. And uh, so we're having our fish, but we're looking out the window, and you, you know, it's right on the Sea of Galilee, and it was like, remember how windy, and it was insane. And, and, and I, I'm thinking, you know, I'm starting to get nervous, because I get seasick, you know. I'm starting to get nervous, like, I don't know if I really want to go out there this time. But, you know, we had to get into our cars and drive around the Sea of Galilee to the other side, because that's where the boats, you know, pick you up. By the time we went around to the other side, it had, it had calmed right down. I mean, it was radical. So things can change very fast on the Sea of Galilee. Things can change very fast in your lives. 
Maybe that storm is raging right now, but, but God can change that like in a second if he wanted to. Things can change very rapidly. You know that saying, you know, if you don't like the weather, what? I say that here. This furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. Luke adds about this account. He adds that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. It was dangerous. Water was coming into the boat. It was a dangerous situation. And sometimes we find ourselves in dangerous situations. How many of you have ever, ever felt that way? Or maybe you feel that way now. You're in this storm. It's raging all around you. Maybe not physically, but, but it's raging all around you. And you're not sure if you're going to make it through. You're not sure you're going to get to the other side of the lake. Maybe water is filling your boat. And you're trying everything you can, like the lady said, to make it happen, to get yourself out of the mess by, you know, getting that little, you got a little teaspoon there and you're trying to get the water out and it's coming in, you know, by the gallon. When, if you read in the book of Acts, chapter 27, Paul and them were, were uh, you know, in the middle of a storm. It says this, Luke writes this, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. They figured, this is it. This is the end. I just give up. Of course, we know the rest of the story that the Lord protected them. Their lives were all saved. The boat was wrecked. But in this particular situation, where was Jesus? Where was Jesus? It says he was sleeping. Now, what is up with that? Jesus, what are you doing? How could, first of all, how could Jesus possibly sleep in the middle of all this going on? How could he sleep? You know, and, and it really boils down to some certain things about what Jesus knew and, and what he wants to teach you and me as well. He had peace, he had trust. He had faith in, in the Father that, that he knew his, his time had not yet come. He knew that, that he was still yet to go to the cross, so he knew that. He knew his time had not yet come, and so why worry? Why bother? Why, why freak out about something that was not going to happen? We talked about worry before. How many of the things we worry about never happen? And we're not trusting in the Lord. But, but he had this peace, and he had this faith and this trust, and, and maybe some of you... Are, are, you know, are here today and you have a lot of peace and faith and trust and you're sleeping right now. So I'm a little concerned about that. But, but Jesus wasn't worried. And do you know how hard it is to sleep when you're worried? You're worried about all this stuff and, and, and you try to lay down and go to sleep and you can't, so you read, some, you know, you read for a while or you, you turn on television and that just worries you more. And, you know, you, you try to pray and, and your mind gets caught in these loops and you keep going around. It's, you know, how, how do you sleep? You wake up the next day if you sleep at all and go like, oh, I had a terrible night. Why? Because I was all worried. Jesus could sleep in the middle of this. Why? Because he was trusting in his father. The disciples, however, look what their response is. And I want to include us in that as well. Their response is what? Verse 25, the disciples went and woke him, and they said, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Their response was fear. Their response was panic and doubt. Mark adds about this, these words, teacher, they said to him after they woke him up, teacher, don't you care if we drown? 
Don't you care about us? And you know what? I have to say that we say that sometimes too. I say that. Lord, don't you even care? Can't you see that I'm going through this and you didn't take it away immediately, didn't stop it right now? Don't you care? I'm drowning. Jesus, don't you even care about me? We say that. Jesus didn't say that about the Father. He had trust. He had faith. But when you think about it, Back in in verse 18, Jesus said, you know, he gave orders to cross where? Look at verse 18. He saw the crowd. He gave orders to cross to where? The other side of the lake. He didn't say, you know, we might make it. You know, we could get to the other side of the lake. He says, no, let's go. We're going to the other side of the lake. And some of the other accounts said, we're going over to the other side of the lake. He made that promise. He gave those orders. He gave those words. So for you and me, when when he says, listen, I'm going to get you through. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to get you through to the other side. And for for us, ultimately, the other side is the end of this life in heaven, ultimately. And so is he going to get us there? Can we trust him and hold on to him through the storms, in the storms, and in this life and say, Jesus, you, you promised you're going to get me there. You promised that if I trusted in you, if I follow you, you're going to give me eternal life in heaven forever and ever. But do we really trust him? Do we really believe his word? I like what Matthew Henry, the old commentator, said. He's, he's actually dead, but it was old, meaning a long time ago. He says this, He doesn't chide them for disturbing him, but disturbing themselves with their fears. He didn't get mad at them because he disturbed them. Don't bother me, I'm sleeping. I was just having a great dream, and you woke me up, and I was dreaming about heaven. And you know, No, he, he, he didn't get upset but he he got upset because they were they were pestering themselves with their own fears and i have to say i do that our you know our we you know we have enemies on all different fronts right we we have the world the flesh and the devil and and the flesh meaning our own selves we pester ourselves with our own you know and then the, the enemy's saying well you know he's not going to help you he doesn't care about you and we're saying Oh, I wonder if he doesn't care about me. And and we kind of add fuel to the fire ourselves. And this battle between faith and fear, I think it's a battle that we, we face. And we need to understand that we're facing a battle between faith and fear. Are we going to trust him or are we going to doubt and we're going to just be full of fear? One person said this, that faith chases out fear or fear chases out faith. Says they had a little faith, though. That's what Jesus said there in verse 26. You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? At least they had some. Uh, you know, he recognized it. He saw you got a little bit of faith. And Jesus said, if you have a faith as small as what? A mustard seed that you could you know, still make and you could still go forward. You could still see incredible things. And this is good because they knew where to go, right? They didn't, you know, say, well, Peter, you're the guy. You, you get us out of this mess. No, they went to Jesus because they knew he was the one. He was the only one that could get them out of that mess to get them through. He's the only one that you and I can go to. That was good. They knew where to go. I hope you and I know where to go. There was the man who came to Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, that everything is possible for him who believes and the boy's father said these words that you and I know well. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. 
We have our times when our faith is small. But don't ever stop going to Jesus. Don't ever stop going to the one, the only one who can help. It says here that he got up, in verse 26, he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. Jesus, you see, he has complete authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to who? To him. He has authority to do whatever he wants to do over all things, over all nature. And so it became completely calm. And I like that picture. But, you know, I also know that it was calm for now. You know, we, we'd like, well, I'm going to become a Christian and then it's going to become calm forever. And it's never going to, I'm never going to face another trial, never going to have another difficulty. He says, it was calm right then, but, but we know that the story doesn't end there. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. And I have a few minutes left. <clears throat> and I'm talking as fast as I possibly can. Psalm 107 and verse 23. It says, Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord his wonderful deeds in the deep. Verse 25, For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. Where did this storm come from? From him. He stirred it up. It says, excuse me, in verse 26, They mounted up to the heavens. They went down to the depths, and in their peril their courage melted away. Their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. But verse 28 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Some of the storms in this life, like we see here in this chapter 107, some of the storms in life are caused by the Lord. The Lord brings them into our lives. He causes them. Some of the storms in our lives, I have to say, are caused by us. We do stupid things and, and it kind of blows up in our faces. And then sometimes that's just a part of life, right? It's just part of being in this planet, part of the situation, part of the curse on the planet or whatever, however way you want to look at it. But I believe that God can use and he does use all things to work together for good. And in this psalm here, they were brought back to the Lord. Maybe they were thinking they were, they were out sailing and having a great time and we're, you know, we're masters of our destiny and, and, you know, captains of our ships and all the rest of it. And he said, well, wait a minute here, let's get a few things sorted out here. I am the one in charge. God uses these storms in our lives. You, you read the book of Job, and, and that's like 40-some-odd chapters of a storm in this guy's life, right? But in the end, it says, the Lord answered Job out of the storm. You read about a guy named Jonah, and it says the Lord, the Lord used a storm in, the, in Jonah's life because Jonah was running away from him. And the Lord used a storm to like say, wait a minute here, hello. 
Where are you going? Back to Matthew chapter 8, we'll finish there. He says these words, or they say these words to him, that what kind of man is this in verse 27? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Jesus is no ordinary man. We've been talking about that recently. He is no ordinary man. But he is God the Son, and he was with them in that storm, and he's with you, and he's with me. In Isaiah chapter 43, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. Find those verses. When you think you're about to go down, go and read the word. You see, this book is full of the answers. And when you're in the middle of the storm, I think the words are even more powerful. Why? Because we're more in tune and we're, we're listening. That doesn't mean we don't read the word when we're not in the middle of storms. Don't misunderstand me. Don't take me out of context. But sometimes... Sometimes he calms the storm. He stopped the storm in this particular instance. But sometimes he calms the storm inside of us. Sometimes he calms the storms outside of us. But sometimes he calms the storm inside and doesn't necessarily change all the circumstances. But again, he's the one in charge. Let me close with a few stories. There was a, a, a parent in... in uh, her son was sleeping and there was a storm that came up and thunder and it was loud and, and she heard uh, her son wake up and, and kind of run to find her. She says, when I tucked him back into bed, he asked me to stay with him until he fell asleep. And she said, as I lay there with him, I realized that he hadn't asked me to make the storm go away, but to stay with him. She says, how many times I wondered... Have I asked God to take away the storms of life when instead I need to ask Him to stay with me and help me weather the storms more peacefully? Someone else writes this, and, and, and I, I find this uh, uh, very helpful. It says that they say that uh, a few winters ago there was heavy snows hitting North Carolina and, and there was a, uh, a wet six-inch snowfall, which to us that ain't no, it's nothing. But anyways, it says it, but it was interesting to the effect, to see the effect along the interstate. Next to the highway, there were several large groves of tall, young pine trees. And the branches were bowed down with the heavy snow, so low that the branches from one tree were often leaning against the trunk or branches of another. But, he said, where trees stood alone, however, the effect of the heavy snow was different. The branches become heavier and heavier, and since there was no other trees to lean against, the branches snapped, and they lay on the ground, dark and alone in the cold snow. And when the storms of life hit, we need to be standing close to other Christians. The closer we stand, the more we'll, we will be able to help, excuse me, able to hold up. We need each other in these storms. You see, when we're, we're kind of leaning under the weight of it, but if we're there with each other, you see, that's why we need fellowship. You know, the simple basics of the Christian life do not ever change. We need to stay in the Word. We need to stay in prayer, and we need to stay in fellowship to hold each other up. Get involved somewhere, anywhere. 
not just here Sunday, if it's a women's study or a discipleship group or a Bible study or a marriage group, we, we, we try to create opportunities where people can, can get together and hold one another up. And that's what we want to do here. So I encourage you, don't, don't, don't just say, well, I'm so lonesome. Well, do you try to go anywhere? No, well, no. It's, you know, it's uh, cold outside. Well, there's a, there's a cloud in the sky. What does that proverb say? There's a line in the street. I'm not going to go do anything. <laughs> try. Try. The Life Application Bible says this. It says, in the storms of life, Jesus is still the master. He shares our boat. Sometimes no one but Jesus can do anything. I want to add all the time. And no matter, no matter how bad the circumstances, God is in control. When we reach the end of our resources, Jesus has not even started. When we reach the end of ourselves, he says, okay, now what? Can I do something now? Are you ready? Have you given up? Hopeless situations make the clearest occasions to trust in God's preserving power. When it looks hopeless to us, that's when it's wide open for him. Trust him. He cares, and he is there in it and through it. I want to encourage you. We're going to sing a song, a little different song today uh, to close with. And I want to encourage you, if you need prayer for any kind of situation, come. We have people here who pray for you and with you. I just know, and I've seen it over and over again, that, that when people come for prayer, God answers those prayers. But if you don't come, uh, James says you have not. Why? Because you've asked not. Let's pray right now before we... Before we close, Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is living and active, powerful, and that it reaches into the very hearts and it, it, it discerns the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. And, and, and we pray that your word, Lord, the, the words that, that uh, we don't need to fear, but we can trust, that you're going to get us through to the other side no matter what. And your plans and purposes are always good. Taste and see the Lord is good. Father, I don't know any, you know, what's going on in the people's lives here today, each one, but you know. And maybe some of them need to reach out to other folks to not be carrying it alone. And you can lead them and guide them in that, Lord. I pray, too, for any here this morning that, that Jesus isn't even in your lives. And you've heard this morning about people surrendering and giving their lives to Jesus Christ. You need to do that today. If you have not done that, surrender and say, Jesus, please come into my life. I am lost. I am a sinner, and I need, I need that new life. Make me new by the power of the cross, by the power of your blood that was shed for me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.